about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which translated means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. This is the gospel of our Lord. I don't think Jesus was calling Elijah. It's understandable that those hearing him were a little confused. Even when we look at biblical text, it's confusing because in in the translation I shared with you in Matthew, we have Eloi. In some, we simply have Eli. There's a differentiation in some ancient documents between Mark and between Matthew, but through the years they've become one. And nobody is really sure if he said Eloi or Eli. But the meaning, the meaning is the same. It means the exalted one. It means God. And yet those who heard Christ crying to God simply couldn't entertain that, and they simply confused that with what he was saying. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew, Mark, both define that for the reader so that there's not a confusion. Because in the original, apparently this is, this is kind of a, a hybrid Aramaic or Hebrew put together. And it's kind of stuffed in the Greek scriptures. And so it's translated for the readers. Because you see, this is difficult enough to hold, but yet it's so simple. It it speaks to those who hear it as those who've not really totally known Scripture, and of course it did speak to the Pharisees who knew it well. It's simply the first verse of the 22nd Psalm. And it speaks as perhaps if David wrote that of, of a godly sufferer who's provoked by attackers and he can't figure out why that happens. It smacks to us perhaps of the whole book of Job, of that Job story. You know, that man that loses everything, his, his, his possessions, his home, his dignity, his family, and yet remains faithful in the midst of it. In the 38th chapter of Job, God speaks to Job because he's questioned about why these things are happening, and, and pretty much the answer is because they are. And I'm with you. How dare you question me? Were you there when I created the earth? Were you there when I made the mountains? Were you there when the the calves were created and the wombs of the mothers? All of these things come out in the next chapters and God is saying, wait a minute. There's all sorts of questions we can ask, but we need not ask the question, why have you forsaken me? Because as we see in Isaiah, particularly here in 3rd Isaiah, as the people are returning or being told to return to, to, to Israel from Babylon, God is pointing out that in the midst of their suffering, which they brought upon themselves, he'd not abandoned them. Now what we see in, in this year's theme that we come through Lent, the, the words of life from the cross, We can understand how we've gotten to this point, I think. We can understand that Jesus, the Messiah, came and he forgave. We can come and we can understand 
that, that he promised uh, eternal life to the believer who was hung next to him. We will witness next week the compassion as he provides for his mother and his beloved disciple. And actually, that's, it's the, the series that, that Pastor Aaron and I chose that messed those up. That's supposed to be the third week, and then this passage, the fourth. I think the, the series changed them because it kept, keeps the books together so they're easier to study. But the point is, here is Christ on the cross, and I, I think the thing that, that comes to us most from this is he is asking a question that we've all asked at some time. Why me, God? I've forgiven those who put me here. I've given new hope to this criminal next to me. I've provided for those who need provision, and yet I'm here and I'm suffering. And the worst thing is I feel abandoned. I feel that you've left me, Father. I'm not sure if any of us have ever truly felt that sense of loss. Oh, we've felt deep loss. Those nearest and dearest to us die, move away. But the loss of absolute abandonment by those we've trusted the most must be just debilitating. And yet the beauty of this, the word of life that comes from this passage, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is the word faith. In his cry, there is the echo of faith. Because you see, Jesus is talking to the Father. Think about that. There's no great sin in questioning God. There's no great sin in even being angry with God if we're willing to recognize that it is God with whom we communicate because our salvation is by faith in this God that we don't understand. St. Paul said, a stumbling block, foolishness. And so as as we share these words and we witness Christ held on his cross... We can identify those who've lost a home, who've lost a job, who've lost a loved one, those who have suffered some indignity in life that goes beyond imagination. Christ empathizes with us. And particularly when we, but Lord, I've been so good. How can you do this to me? I'm wondering about the people in a few years ago when we hit the, the, the financial crisis who lost homes in that crisis. And regardless of what some people will tell you, that did happen to some strict tithers too. Those who truly put God first in their, in their life and witness and with their pocketbook and yet all of a sudden they're without. And the question must have come to them, why me? I've given everything to the Lord. I've been as faithful as I can be and yet I'm suffering. And the answer is simply yes, you are. Because you see, that is the world. That is the sin, the chaos, the brokenness of our humanity. And that is exactly why Christ had to die, because we are incapable of fixing anything ourselves. 
In his humanness, Jesus prayed for forgiveness for those who tortured him, embarrassed him, bruised him, put him on the cross. In his humanness, Jesus assured the faithful criminal that he too would be in paradise. In his humanness, he takes time in the midst of this agonizing suffering to watch out for his beloved mother and the dear disciple. And yet in spite of this, he's in such excruciating pain that he cries out in agony because he feels abandoned. But you see, the the beauty of the cry is that it's answered by the one to whom he cries. And the answer is the glory of everlasting life The answer is the accomplishment of the task he was given by the Father, and that is the the salvation of humanity. It's so difficult for us to understand as human beings because we, we think of ourselves so often first. And in the midst of this, God is saying, but we've succeeded, Jesus. You've made it, my son. You are dying and I will raise you again. And we know by the time we get to the last word that this has been processed, and we know that Jesus embraces this, and we know that in spite of why have you abandoned me, Father, there is a faith and a trust. Sometimes it takes us a long time to to learn that. I read a, a little tiny book years ago. It's called May I Hate God. Scary thought. Written by Pierre Wolfe. And the reason I remember the book isn't so much about Pierre Wolfe, and I I really hope that's the right name, but I remember it because the book was endorsed by one of my favorite theologians, Henri Nouwen. And many of you are familiar with Nouwen's work. And Nouwen loved this book. And he said, no matter what you do, you take an hour out of your life and read this book. Because you see, what the book talked about is that is that we should never be afraid to express to God that we're angry. Because in the midst of that expression, there is communication, there is prayer, there is dialogue back and forth, which says we really do believe in you, and we don't understand, and I'm angry. But as so often the case, that anger, although we think it might be against God, isn't. It's really against ourselves because we don't understand what's going on, because we're frustrated by a condition, you see. But the strength of it, the stumbling block to Jews, the foolishness to the Greeks, is that in the midst of that suffering and pain, when we cry out to our God, our God hears. Those wonderful words from the 8th chapter of Romans from St. Paul, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not life, nor death, nor height, nor depth. Nothing can separate us. And that's what Christ demonstrates on the cross on this evening. And so when we're frustrated in our lives, when something happens that we just, in our humanist feel, we don't deserve Recognize that it is not God reaching down and punishing, but it is God who walks with us through the trials of life in a real world. A God who says, I have your back. 
and your front and your arms, and I embrace you. Think of Christ on the cross with his arms spread that he would envelop us and hold us forever in his resurrected body. No, this is not just a cry of frustration, although it is. It is a cry of faith. I recognize you, Father. I don't see you with me now. But yet know in spite of that attitude, it is God who says to us, yes, but I see you. I see you. I know your condition. And I am with you through that condition to the glory and the height of eternity. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The cry of faithfulness. On Easter morning we celebrate the resurrection which is the proof that God is with us in that faithfulness. Amen.